Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. And my name is Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. I hope you're having a lovely day. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, we're recording. We're going to talk about movies. What could be better? Exactly. And today, we're recording in a different day again. Yeah, you know, it's fine. We're mixing it up. This is a, this is a morning recording session. we're recording in the morning. That's why I've got my Starbucks. Yeah, we're, we're trying to... Maybe it'll, it'll... Shout out to Starbucks. Why don't you guys <laughs> give us some money for advertising that I'm drinking some Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks. Have my, <laughs> have my my large iced white mocha. <laughs> Three pumps of white chocolate. Uh, yeah. So ho- hopefully we'll have a little more energy because we're awake. It's not we're not recording you know middle of the night like we usually do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Normally by the end of the uh, podcast we're getting a little bit uh, loopy. loopy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So every week we are given a year and a category from our super time computer Al. And it's up to us to decide who should have really won the Academy Award. So, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and fire up Al, and let's get our year and our category. All right, Al, let's hear it. What are we getting this week? All right. So, thank you, Al. It looks like we have a wonderful category, and we have a wonderful year. It looks like we have a category that we've never had before. What? Yeah. Yeah, Al's been a little chauvinistic up until this point oh oh yeah a little chauvinistic oh, you know what i'm so saying there's a big hint a little okay. chauvinistic are we we doing some a lady category we're doing a lady category <laughs> definitely doing a lady category there's a wonderful pregnant pause there after a lady we're doing a lady <laughs> category all right so <laughs> let's try it we are going to be doing the category of best supporting actress Ooh, supporting actress best okay. supporting actress but first, we need to uh, play a little game with Corey. We need to play a little game so we can have him figure out what year we are going to be in. So, once again, these years of the movies always come out one year before the Academy Awards. So, the Academy Awards will come out, and the actual ceremony is held the year after. So, these headlines will take place anytime between the year the movies came out and the actual ceremony. That's right. It's time for headlines. All right. So, here's headlines. So, this... Academy Awards happened in the same year that Mr. LeBron James headed over to the Miami Heat. LeBron James headed over to the Miami Heat. For those of you out there that have not seen our feed and know <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and no basketball history, uh, I know dick about basketball. It is not it is not one of the sports that I follow necessarily. I know that's why I started with this one. I don't know. Uh, how long has LeBron been in the... Let's see. It's it's 2018. He only recently went back to... I don't know. D- d- fucking... Well, he's now on the Lakers, so... Sure. And he spent a couple years... I don't Man, the, the I don't know. Man, our, our I'm not even going to guess. Our fans that are basketball fans are like, Dude! This is... I mean, it's... Fairly recent-ish, I guess. I, I don't even know how long the dude's been in the in the league. A, a long time? I, I don't know, but how long? Uh, I don't know. We're going to move on to the next question. So because this is a Kanye world and we're all just living in it, 
This is the year that Kanye West released the album My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It had one of my favorite songs of his on it, All of the Lights. All of the Lights. All of the lights. Hmm. All of the lights. Uh, I, I've, I've heard this song. I am not a fan of Kanye West. Um, oh for 2 from me. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're actively trying to make me fail for the first time at this game. Shit! Hey, man. You've been getting these pretty good lately. I, I don't know when Kanye West releases albums. This is this has got to be somewhere between 2000 and 2018. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the... We're going to go on for the next one, okay? I got the next one. I'm pretty sure you're going to get this. All right? Sure. So, this is the year that you got married. Fuck! <laughs> oh. Now, you have to know this. Calling it a loss. I don't know. <laughs> no, actually, I, I, do, I do know the year that I got married. Yeah, that's the only headline that I... <laughs> That, I read, that resonates I like, with me. I like that we're calling this a headline. The year you got married was a headline. Yeah. It was in the Los Angeles Times, actually. Well, you know, the um the the date sticks out very significantly to me because I made sure to get married on a really funny date. Was it was it National Talk Like a Pirate Day? I did. I got oh, married man. on International Talk Like a Pirate Day in two thousand. International. Not national, but international talk like a pirate. International talk like a pirate day. So there's some Swedes out there talking like a pirate. Yes. In 2009. So this would yes. be the movies of 2009, the best, the Oscars of 2010? Yes. Woo! So these- We did it! <laughs> you had to give me something from my own history, but we did it. Yes. So this is the um, best supporting actress role in 2010, at the 2010 Academy Awards for movies that came out in 2009. Awesome. Al, bring up the nominee list for Best Supporting Actress in the 2010 Academy Awards. Ooh. Oh, this is an interesting one. This look, is an interesting one. Look at Al go. Hmm. Um, do you want to go ahead and run, run through the nominees real quick? We can go ahead and... Uh, just, just say... Oh, we, we, we can uh, run through the nominees, but I think we need to... to let everyone know these Academy Awards actually were in the news recently because the winner was in the news recently. Really? Yeah, because she didn't get a Netflix special, and the reason she said she should have gotten money for the next Netflix special is because she won this year. Really? <laughs> yes. Monique, Monique, I think is who you're talking about. Monique um, said she should have gotten more money from Netflix because she won an Oscar, and she won the Oscar as... Best Supporting Actress in Precious in Precious this year in 2010. Interesting. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go through the rest of the nominees for Best Supporting Actress of 2010. So we have Monique for Precious, Penelope Cruz for Nine, Vera Farmagia, 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 Vera from Vera Farmagia. We're we're really Fromagia. we're bad at names. Vera from Vera from Maja. From Maja. Vera from Vera Vera from Maja. We're go there. Yeah. Vera from Maja. Uh from up in the air. Maggie Gyllenhaal for Crazy Heart. Gyllenhaal? <laughs> <laughs> uh and Anna Kendrick for also up in the air. Up in the Air was a very, very, very well-liked movie at the Oscars. For year. Supporting Actress, specifically. It yeah. was nominated for Best uh, for best Picture. It sort of it snuck in there. It did not yeah. win. Yeah. And it also didn't win for Best 
supporting actress either. No, no, because so, Monique won for Precious. It was a well-liked movie to be nominated, but it wasn't really well-liked to be winning a movie, uh, Academy Award. I guess, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's got my boyfriend George Clooney in it. So It's got my girlfriend Anna Kendrick. There you go. It's a perfect storm of movie for, for you and I. Um, so yeah, th- those are the nominees. I think that there's um, there's probably some more actresses that we could squeak out that would probably be better than Penelope Cruz in Nine. Uh, Nine is such a forgettable movie. Yeah, Nine is uh, so forgettable that they don't even have it available on any streaming service oh, yeah. or even in the United States. You can, in, If you're in the United States and you don't already have a DVD or Blu-ray of this movie, you cannot see it <laughs> if you really want to. Nine is like... Uh, I think we talked about this, like uh, Chicago and Moulin Rouge. It's like they had a baby. Banged and have a ba- had yeah. a baby. Only that baby is not as interesting. It is the only movie that Daniel Day-Lewis could have been in and was not nominated for an Academy Award. I mean, yeah, he's not been nominated a, a few times, but this is definitely one of those where <laughs> people didn't care exactly. that, he, that he worked that year. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, before we get into sort of who else should have been nominated and and whatnot, let's go ahead and take a peek behind the Oscars of 2010. So this is the 82, or excuse me, this is the 82nd annual <laughs> Academy Awards done at the Kodak Theater. Uh, the host this year was, do you know? Um, I'm gonna guess Kanye West. No, not Kanye West. This Taylor was, Swift. No, I. This is Monique. Pop- no, she didn't. Okay. No, uh, this might have been around the t- the same, a similar time that Kanye West and Taylor Swift had their thing. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> is that is that a? Are we in the right sort of year ballpark? Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Around then, yeah. Um, no, Kanye West did, did not host. Although having Kanye West and Taylor Swift host some Oscar might be fantastic. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would watch that Academy Awards just for the explosion. Um, but sadly, not in two thousand ten. This was the first Oscar since nineteen eighty seven. To have multiple hosts, actually. And this year we get the likes of Alec Baldwin, who is hosting it for the first time, and Steve Martin. Awesome. Who is uh, doing his third run as an Academy Award host. One third of the Three Amigos, the greatest comedy ever to be made. Sure. <laughs> um, interesting. Ooh, if they would have had Chevy Chase and Martin Short. Oh, so good. I would have I would have loved that to have been a thing for the Oscars to have done. Have them all host the Academy Awards in like eighty seven or something like that. That would have been Yeah, I was gonna say it would be a little late to do it yeah, in two thousand ten, you know. but whatever. Um No, fuck it. Two thousand nineteen, do it. Two thousand nineteen have the three amigos. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Because uh Chevy Chase isn't on cocaine anymore. So He's not on cocaine, but he is angry. <laughs> <laughs> not only is he no longer funny, he's really angry. Really angry. Uh, an interesting little side note to the host, a uh, little fun fact here, is the original host that the directors wanted, that they originally pitched to the network and whatnot, was Sasha Baron Cohen, um, famously this year doing, I think Bruno came out this year, or Borat, one of the two, um, and uh, the network shut it down immediately with, nope, too much of a loose cannon, he'll say the F word on air, basically, like, <laughs> he'll come out in just a cod piece, nothing else, and we want to avoid that at all costs so they uh, they they squashed Sasha Baron Cohen but I think that would have been a really interesting choice for a host as well yeah he would have been great and I feel like there's a lot of times where he just isn't able to do things because he's Sasha Baron Cohen yes because of the work that he does um for his like comedy yeah he gets a a, a the kibosh well he, loo- he is a loose cannon one of the award shows he came on as Ali G yeah 
like uh, I think that was like an MTV Movie Awards or something like no, that. No, he did it at a was it because I thought like a Grammys I, thought, or I thought he did it at like the Grammys or at the Oscars. He did it in some place where he walked out with somebody who was not a comedian and he was did not he was understand. so worried that he was going to be like booed off. But he came out as Ali G when they thought he was going to be Sasha Baron Cohen, mm. and he only and he was like he told a story where he was changing like literally off stage, like he was right off camera and he putting was on changing, the hoodie and the putting everything on. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um, this is the most watched telecast of the Oscars since 2005. They did a lot of stuff in this Oscars to try to make it more watchable. Um, they, uh, they marketed the nominees a little more, um, leading up to the, the Academy Awards, uh, um, telecast to sort of play into the sort of rivalries and personal touches of the, um, the nominees. They, uh, Got rid of all of the musical performances, which is an interesting choice uh, to sort of. I would shorten. not be into that. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the highlights of, of the Academy Awards for me is like seeing the live performances musically. But by the way, just to just a side note, um, <clears throat> Al has just told us that Ali G came out with Olivia Wilde at the 2016 oh. Oscars. It was actually at the Oscars. Yeah, so it was 2016 Oscars. Damn, Olivia Wilde did not really know he was going to be doing this. He walked out with her. Yeah. And he came out as, as Ali G. See, this is why they didn't want him to host in 2010, because he would do shit like that. Yeah. Um, other ways that they uh, they tried to change the Oscars this year, um, they changed the the phrasing, and the Oscar goes to, to and the winner is. I'm not sure why. It's, it's arbitrary, you know. Uh, it's the first time that they've not said, and the Oscar goes to since 1988. So, you know, I, they I, wanted to make it know. more about the actresses and less about the Oscar. You know, I they, guess, they yeah. thought the Oscar was getting too much attention. More more about like the significance of winning the award as opposed to like the significance of the award. Yeah. They wanted the really rich and famous people to feel more uh, about themselves right. and less about the Oscar. You know, it's all about people. It's all about the people. <laughs> um, this is also the first year that they expanded the nominee list past five. This is the expanded Oscars era. It starts here in 2010 where they go for 10 nominees for Best Picture, which is a bit of a, like, I, I don't know if they were trying to shorten the telecast, why, why double the nominee list, but whatever. It also opens up the opportunity for, you know, um, different types of films, comedies and sci-fi films and stuff to get nominated. Um, in particular, Up becomes only the second animated feature to be nominated for Best Picture. Lion King? No, the Best, first... Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, 1991, ah. was the only Wait, other... Wait, I thought Snow White was nominated, or one. Nope, nope. Really? No. It, that may have been, like, first time that they talked about full-length full animated feature hmm. uh, Oscar, but um, not for actual Best Picture. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Now, I don't like the expanded list. I don't think there should be ten. Well, see, there's there's a there's a whole thing about that too. Like a lot of critics and you know, sort of popular opinion says, look at the best director category because those are the movies that are really the only ones in contention for best picture. The other ones are just to give, um, you know, like to please the the viewers, I guess, like so that people aren't like, you guys don't talk about good films. You only talk about like you know the same kind of Academy films I, I guess you know, to make it more palatable for for us to to view it but then they should have a separate category for popular films oh, oh wait yeah. they did they're that gonna, and that's gonna, so fucking annoying i don't i think they rescinded that they're like oh, we're not gonna do that this year maybe 2020 i think yeah i really don't think they should expand them to 10 because um they're still only gonna have one winner 
I think that they should just have as many as are relevant. No, but I'm saying that, okay. If it's four, if it's five, if okay, it's eight, if it's whatever. Okay, you let's know. dive into this. Let's, let's really dive into this. They're going to have five. If you have, you have four, or sorry, if you have five nominees, right? Mm-hmm. How many winners do you have? One. Okay. If you have 10 nominees, how many winners do you have? One. Okay. So the only person that's helping is the movie to be a nominee for Best Picture. And it's helping the viewer to be like, hey, we, we are going to watch this because we want ours to, to win, right? Right. Really, though, there's still only one winner. Sure. And the winner is always going to be the Academy favorite. So it's really not changing anything except for optics, right? Sure. And I think that was the choice that they made to try to get more viewership. So it worked, but it's, so it's kind of a ruse. Joke. It's kind big of a ruse. Joke. Yeah. Um, speaking of the best director tie-in, uh, this year had the ultimate showdown of the X's in the director category where James Cameron took on Catherine Bigelow, X against X for director supremacy. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. But uh, she she does uh, set a first by becoming the first female director to win best director, which I, I think is awesome. And honestly, there are a tremendous amount of female um, directors that really don't get noticed, in, you know, just because they're female. Sophia Coppola? Sophia Coppola. Although she gets noticed. Ava Duvaney. Um, she is gets noticed really... as, an, as a director because she is an ugly, terrible actress. Oh, damn. I didn't have to throw in the ugly, you but she's really You just sort of really undercut ugly. the, like, girl power <laughs> message by shaming her. <laughs> I'm sorry, but come on. She killed, she she ruined a semi-decent movie. Yeah, you're with, just angry that she ruined the Godfather, Godfather franchise. She, she ruined the Godfather franchise completely. That, but that's because she's a bad actress. She's a fantastic storyteller. In Godfather 3, she's supposed to be they refer to your. She's playing against Andy Garcia, who who is young putting, Andy Garcia putting it down. Young Andy Garcia, yeah. who was very good looking dude, and he's referring to her as a beautiful girl. Yeah, come on. I mean, to his character, she was. You don't believe? You that don't he think he was going back to his? He loved her. He was going back to his trailer, going, "What the but... hell? Are you what the hell are you giving me to to work with here, <laughs> yeah, man? Probably. They I got to act in this movie with his fucking daughter." <laughs> <laughs> You don't think they could have gotten any girl in Hollywood to play that same character? Absolutely, they could have. But you know, Francis Ford Coppola, the Coppolas in general are very. He's like, well, um, I got my my daughter playing this nep- part. I got my my brother doing the music. I've got my sister as the whatever Talia Shire. Whatever. Nepotism runs heavy in the Coppola family for sure. Yeah. Um, going back to first, I'm surprised Nicolas Cage and Schwartzman weren't any in in, in in those films at all. Well, Nicolas Cage uh, shunned the Coppola name. You know, like after he, he got famous. Well, no, because he did it shortly after Fast Times of Richmond High, right? Like he got that. He that was role, in Fast Times of Richmond High, but as, as, a, as a yes, but as an extra. And then what was, was like, he? What was he in? I don't. Uh, I don't want to be Peggy a Coppola. Sue got married. And Peggy Sue got married. Nicholas was Cage. he Nicholas Cage? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, he wanted to like, you know, carve his own path without the Coppola name. Okay, but that um, that might be a little different, though. I mean, that might be not that he doesn't want to still get parts because of him being a Coppola. He might have just not wanted people to know he was a Coppola. Potential, yeah. But I'm saying Francis Ford Coppola just hired all of his relatives to do everything for his movies. You know? Yeah. 
or to be like surrounding him. And he's unashamed about it too. No, he, no, no. He full on says, I do this because I'm in the industry and I'm going to hire all my family. Yeah, he, so he, he did the same thing the Kennedys did and Trump's doing with uh, the movie industry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, like just surrounding himself with but all But they of, are, I mean, all those, all his friends were, I mean, they were all hiring each other. I mean, well, Steven not, Spielberg. Not and just his George friends, Lucas though. I'm saying his family members specifically. No, but I mean, like they were already all, they were doing that already with all their friends that were in film school together and everything. Sure, so it yeah. wasn't too much of a stretch it's to not be a stretch, like, yeah. be like, hey, I've got my brother-in-law or whatever who is a fantastic uh composer i'm gonna use his music which actually is great music i mean the godfather music is some of the most iconic music in film Mm -hmm. history so it's it's not like it's a really good score yeah Yeah. uh going back i don't know how we got on off got (sighs) off on all that but whatever (laughs) let's let's reset here for the last peek behind the oscars here this is uh, another first for for our last peek here jeffrey fletcher becomes the first african-american writer uh, to win an Academy Award for screenwriting for his adaptation of Precious. Awesome. Again, awesome. Yes, yes, awesome. Uh, Precious was a, a really, really good movie. The the writing in it was was really nice. But lots of obesity. Still, lots of incest. Still, very much of a disappointment that it took till 2010 for a black writer to get an Academy Award. Yeah, but when you think about the history of the Oscars, it makes sense that that happened because the Oscars is surprisingly racist. Yes, no, no, but I'm saying like uh, it, it's the tremendous amount of work has been done by minority groups for years, like 50, 60 years. We've had great works of art in motion pictures done by minorities, women, you know, people of color and and otherwise. And only until 2010 do they start getting um, you know, actual awards. That's it wasn't like mind numbing. Best me. supporting actor was like Sidney Portier, and then they didn't have another best supporting actor until like uh, Glory. Yeah, eighties, and even like Oprah, uh, not Oprah, fucking Whoopi Goldberg um, wins in Color Purple. Uh, she wins for supporting actress in Color Purple, and then um, we don't get another win for African Americans and supporting actress it was until Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Yeah, in Monster, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I don't understand it. I I mean I'm I'm all for the like you know I didn't necessarily want to boycott it, but like making sure that equal representation is is there is important because we're the Oscars often ignores crazy awesome you know work that's being done by minorities simply because it's being done by minority minorities. You know? Yeah, and it's it's it sucks. And part of this podcast, I hope, you know, like with these these categories kind of shines a light on the wonderful work that women have done in film, the wonderful work work that um, other sort of racial minorities are doing in film and, and whatnot. Because um, it's, uh, there's some really good stuff out there you should go watch. Okay, and now it's time for the top movies of the box office for 2009. 2009 was, um, was a pretty good year for movies. There's... Um, you know, Tyler Perry's Medea Goes to Jail came out this year. Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> Snubbed for Academy Award contention. You know, uh, Tyler Perry is is uh, is great in those movies that I've never seen. He he seamlessly changed it to. to I mean, I I, I yeah, great. Um, yeah yeah, we'll leave it at that. This movie saw a powerful performance by Sandra Bullock um, in the movie All About Steve. <laughs> yes, that was the movie this year that really brought out Sandra Bullock's 
acting prowess. Yeah. So like in the same year, we get All About Steve and The Blind Side, which she wins an Academy Award for. <laughs> yes. Just the extremes of Sandra Bullock in one year. Uh, and then we get one right in the middle from Sandra Bullock this year called The Proposal with uh, Ryan Reynolds, which is just a charming you know, romantic comedy movie where she's not bad and she's not great. It's just you know right in the middle. Um, although I, I do love Sandra Bullock. I, I love me some Sandra Bullock. American I, Sweetheart. I'm not actually a Sandra Bullock fan. No? I'm, I'm not. Mean. She's turned me off ever since the net. <laughs> yeah, re- really disappointed in her work in uh, I'm really Murder by Numbers. Actually, Murder by Numbers is a pretty good movie, but that yeah. was Ryan Gosling that really brought that movie in. Sure. Um, you know, Seventeen again wasn't was this year? Was fucking uh, Zach Efron with his Zac abs. Efron. Was he all Matthew about the abs Perry? That year? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm not yeah. a Zach Efron fan like really? you are. I like I mean, Zac Efron. You know, when I the only thing I've really seen him in is Baywatch. I saw him in The Rock in Baywatch. That was kind of a that was a pretty funny movie. He's, he's yeah, he's that's he's, pretty. He's all about movie. the abs in that movie too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little that's a little homoerotic the way they made The, they do, the yeah. Rock and I him. Think, but that movie is I think damn that's funny. Absolutely on purpose. <laughs> oh, it totally is on purpose. But that movie is damn funny. It is. It, it, it is. Really, I was surprised how funny it was. I actually would say that if anybody has not seen Baywatch for comedic value, if anybody's not seen Baywatch, that is that is a great movie. Like for fun, like it's, it's, a, it's a really it's fun, a really good fun comedy. comedy. Yeah, it's a really good comedy. Um, I would say that Zac Efron has probably made the smoothest transition out of being a Disney kid. Well, he had to go through drugs and alcohol and Did he? a lot. Of, oh my god, he had so many. Zac problems. Efron was was like a drug druggy, and I've yeah, never he heard was, anything about. He was Zac arrested Efron. for being like on the street corner. Really. Yeah. I don't remember any of that from Zac Efron. Yeah. It's just like he was in High School Musical, and then he started doing like regular no, films, and he had fine. like some. He had some issues. He had like some issues. I thought he was arrested for being in like the sketchy part of L.A., like just pick, buying drugs for some from somebody. Huh. He, he had some issues. Well, and I'm, then I'm after glad that, he cleaned up his life. No, and then after that, he came out with all the movies that are more recent ones, like the sure. um, all these newest ones he's come out with, but um, like the Whoever Whoever Need Dates that movie and Baywatch oh, yeah. and all those movies came out after that. But yeah, he had some trouble. Huh? Well, I'm, I'm Be- sorry that between he like 17 that, again and all the newest, newest movies. Oh, I see. Huh? I mean, he's, he's made some, some really good dramatic role. Uh, um, really? Me, dr- dramatic pictures. Uh, there's, um, Oh man, what, what is that movie? It's called like the, the, the mailman or the, what is that called? Oh, that's a really good film. Uh, we, I, I we don't. Not... We don't. We don't need to get into Zac Efron's IMDb page. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and stick to. I'm not getting to his, his yeah. IMDb page. Let's 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 get away from Zac Efron a little bit because we're just going to run out of time <laughs> talking about his his um you know his resume. Um, this year saw uh, the movies Nine, Nine, and District Nine in 2009. It was, yes, uh, it did. They're really leaning into the uh, <laughs> the uh, that for titles. Uh, this year, for some reason, this is uh, the year that Taken came out. This is the first Taken movie. This is this is the year that we got. I have very, a special set of skills. Yeah. I don't know who you are, but I will find you. Yeah, Liam Neeson, fucking kicking ass. This is uh like Liam Neeson's renaissance into. Yeah, uh, this changes from him to doing the same movie thirty five times. Yeah, now he's just old man kick butt. 
yeah. in every movie, and it's because Taken was so successful. Even the new movie coming out this year, he's Old Man Kickbutt who yeah. dies, and then his wife takes over from Old Man Kickbutt. Yeah, she revenge of Old Man Kickbutt. Exactly. <laughs> he's a man with a special set of skills who doesn't use them right and dies, and his wife has to take over for those special set of skills. Sure, yeah. And learn his special set of skills to survive her own life. Hashtag Old Man Kickbutt. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Old Man Ass. Kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's actually go into the into the top ten here. Uh, number ten this year is uh, Robert Downey Jr. You know, um, writing the the sort of uh, wave that would be not his, just his Robert resurgent. Downey Jr. Man, you're forgetting about the other people in there. Who uh, who plays his Watson? Is Jude Law? Jude Law. This is Sherlock Holmes. It's the first of this franchise, which I really enjoyed. These are really fun movies. Um, and I feel like they're movies that I, I'm supposed to not say that I like them. Why? I don't know. Like, there's just something no, you know about what? them that because makes me... Because the, the, the Holmesies, right? That's what I'm calling the them. Holmesies. The Holmesies? The Sherlock Holmesy people piss me off because they are so about that Benedict fucking batch that they are all about, oh, if you don't like Benedict Cumberbatch, is the best Sherlock Holmes. He's a good Sherlock Holmes, too. Yeah. Martin Freeman a, is a really good Watson. Yeah, whatever. Johnny Lee Miller was a good Sherlock. Like, Johnny Lee Miller was good, and so was, uh, so was um, what's his name that we're just talking Basil about? Basil Rathbone? No, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, no, but every time you say you like a different Sherlock Holmes movie, people are mm. like crazy and they're like, no, you can only like the British version with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Calm down, Holmesies. Yes. Uh, we can, we can like multiple Sherlock's. It's cool. And you know what? The new Sherlock Holmes is coming out with the, the, the comedy one with Step Brothers. Oh so yeah. John I may C. like Riley that one better than all of the other ones. Yeah. That, that Will might... Ferrell might be better at that than all the other we, ones. We don't know. He might be. <laughs> Uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, was like MMA, you, you know, uh, Sherlock, and that's where people had a lot of, uh, oh shit, um, had a lot of problems with uh, Sherlock being like uh, kung fu fighting, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really enjoyable. The the sort of uh, special effects in it are, are really stylized, the sort of slow motion-y stuff, the way that you go into his brain that he steps out all of the you know, the, the steps that he's going to take to, like, take down the people in the room and, like, really kind of... It all makes sense to me. I, I don't know. It worked really well. Yeah, it was good. Um, <clears throat> number nine this year is, uh, I mean, pinnacle of cinema. This is Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. Now, I just watched oh. all four... Or Did all you? Three, all these... Four? I don't even know I, how might be four. I watched all of them there's, in a row. Chipwrecked. Okay, Chipwrecked uh, is great. Chipwrecked is great. I'm surprised Cuba Gooding Jr. isn't in Chipwrecked. Why? Dude, these are good movies. And first of it's all- It's a boat movie. I'm hold on. Saying, you know. Hold on. I know we share an interest in the in the in one of the guys that's in, the, I think, the Squeakquel? He's in- Oh, yeah. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi. Come on, Chuck, man. Chuck is in, Chuck is in two or three one. of these, yeah. Is he in two? He's in, he, I thought he's, he's mainly in, I think, the Squeakquel. Well, he he sort of takes over for Jason Lee in one of them. Jason Lee's still in it. He's he's laid well, up technically yeah. in it, but um, but yeah, he sort of becomes the with John. What is the what is? I don't know what the Alvin and the Chipmunks. Dave, Dave, John is Garfield. Dave Chipmunks, got it. Um, you don't need to tweet me. <laughs> uh, yeah, he sort of takes over for the Dave story device in um the second one. I don't think Zachary Levi is very good in these movies. I think. Uh, What's his name? Um, Jason Lee. Jason Lee is way better. 
Sure. I don't know why either of them are in these movies. The one, the person I don't know who's in because they got these paid movies. a lot of money. I don't know why David Cross is in these movies. <laughs> why David Cross is great in these movies? It just seems He's like, like a half villain. It seems like something that David Cross would be like. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing Alvin and the Chipmunks. What you think David Cross is above this stuff? Come no, no, on. no, no. But like, to He's do not a, like to do like a comedy Pacino. role. No, not that not that he's above it, just like not his not his brand of comedy. You know what I mean? Have you seen the movies? Have you seen how he acts in them? It's well, so him. He's he yeah. He but plays himself. It just surprises me that David Cross would be like, Yeah, I'll do these shitty I'll in the boat in the boat in the CG boat movies. one, he's in a penguin suit the entire time. Yeah, it's weird. I don't I don't <laughs> understand why he's doing it, but you know. I don't know. Maybe it's... Amber Tamlin was like, Come on, do an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. He got paid a buttload of money. That's Probably. why he did them. Yeah. Yeah, she's like the kids. Kids will find you. They'll grow up and find Mr. Show. And he's like, well, maybe. They're like, dude, you're gonna get paid seven hundred thousand dollars each show. You're he's good. Just, like his comedy is so like politically charged and like fuck you with with his tone. It just makes it it, it doesn't sit with me. Uh, no, this is how the the, the conversation went. He went, man, I'm all about my comedy right now. And she's like, okay, here's the deal. You're gonna have to do six years of shows in order to make the amount of money that you're gonna make on one. One of, of these, these movies, movies. Yeah. and he's like, "All right, I'll do them. I'll do it." And then it became a hit, and now he did four of them. Yes, and, like, and now off the residual checks he's getting, he's like, "Yeah, I'm yeah. just working the, I'm just working the clubs." Yeah, en- enjoy this house, <laughs> the house that Alvin built. <laughs> yeah. Um. So moving on to number eight, the actual film that uh, Sandra Bullock gave a powerful performance in this year. She actually wins the Oscar for solving racism in college football in The Blind Side. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Blind Side, I was it was okay movie. It's, I didn't, it was all right. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, didn't I didn't I didn't understand the fervor about this movie. Yeah. I never did. Um, I think it it might have had to do with the fact that the guy that the movie's about was like still like they made it so soon after he like he'd only been in the NFL for a couple of years, and this movie is about him like coming up through college and getting to the NFL. So like it was really fresh as a as a you know, like a biopic kind of a thing. Like it was the actual story was sort of going very sort of just ahead of it. Yeah, I felt like this was kind it. of Aaron Brockovich ish. A little know, bit. Where yeah. it was like current event. He had like a very current. It was current event, and it had. It someone. is a really interesting uh, story of how Michael Orr becomes. You know, like from he goes from the streets to becoming an NFL player. Um, you, you know, it's it's an interesting sort of story of how like, uh, you, you know, he sort of breaks into the the sort of white culture that is this, you know, college uh, alumni society and becomes, um, you know, like, there's, there's, uh, there's some great stuff about this movie, but um, it was, it was an enjoyable the way they sort of made it all heartfelt. Um, but there are some, some problems with it <laughs> that we won't necessarily get into uh, for time because I don't want to make the rest of this episode about. <laughs> yes. Move on. <laughs> Social injustice in movies. Uh, number seven is the first time we get a good Star Trek movie in the modern age. Yeah, I love this movie. I hate Star Trek. Sorry. I hate Star You can tweet me about it, but I hate Star Trek. I think it's the stupidest story. I hate all of them. Yeah, I mean, there except are, these. There are a couple Star Trek movies from before that are enjoyable, but none that I would consider like great movies. Oh, man. The, the William Shatner series of Star Treks are terrible. Yeah, there is a charm to them that is no, there's not. That is what makes Star Trek Star Trek. But you, you even as a Trekkie or whatever, or Trekker or whatever the fuck they call themselves, Trekkie, um, you have to know that there's a certain level of camp to it. Like the people who are really into Batman sixty six, 
they know like oh this is like very tongue in cheek wait it's you campy. cannot compare Batman the original Batman to Star Trek no 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 I'm I'm saying that like there's there's not it, there's there's elements uh yeah you know you're right the the Star Trek is just bad I was just it's saying that just but there bad. was there was like legit movements in a sort of like social acceptance of mixed race couples of uh you know like it all being all inclusive Man, you on a take team. It there. Yeah, take it there to the social. No, that that show carved the path for a lot of yeah, that stuff. But yeah, the tone of the show yeah. is corny as fuck. The show is stupid. You know, like yeah, the 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 premise is cool, and they've been able to stretch that and make it better and better and better until you know 2009 when they make a movie where now, no, that's my that point. That movie is like, oh damn. My whole point is that when these movies came out, I was like, fuck, this is cool. Yeah, it made it made it really modern and cool, and they. You know, J.J. Abrams gets some um, criticism for, uh, one, his gratuitous sort of, like, bra scene, like, changing scenes for the ladies in this movie. But that aside, um, pulling more of a character feel, an adventure feel into this uh, this world and getting rid of this sort of, like, dry science, advent, you know, science Well, this adventure. is the only movie also that Chris Pine's head didn't seem as large. He's got a he's, he's got a very large head. He does have a large forehead. He does, and in the new movie that's on <laughs> Netflix, the um, occasionally Outlaw he's King, wearing he's wearing a helmet in that. Yeah, Outlaw King man, I, it's very distracting. He's got a he's giant got a giant forehead. forehead. Yeah, he's got a five head for sure. <laughs> Him and Tyra Banks. Yeah, just rocking Rihanna. Lot and Rihanna. There, lot, yeah. just rocking lots There's of forehead. There's a lot of five head there. <laughs> it's crazy, but no, but but movie this movie's great. I liked it a lot. Uh, number six is a movie I also liked a tremendous amount. Uh, and it's a it's a comedy that uh, sort of be, like was a surprise success, I think, um, starring Bradley Cooper and Jack, Zach Galifianakis, and it's The Hangover. Oh come on, this is great! Ed Helms is also in it. Uh, Mike Tyson is in this movie. There's a tiger in this movie. <laughs> the problem with The Hangover is that it it, it spawned more movies. Yeah, because the one movie was great. The rest of the movie were just stupid. They they get a little a little out. And there, Bradley but... Cooper shouldn't just. Done. Stopped. <laughs> yeah, he just, he's just like, yeah, you guys made one. Just, just stop with the. Now nah, they make that. a boatload. Of, every single one of them is made. Just they just back trucks up to Bradley Cooper's house and Zach Galifianakis's house, and just dump money into their fucking. Yeah, they shouldn't. <laughs> front have, they yards. shouldn't have made anymore. But whatever. Um, yeah, it, it was a uh, it was a really good one. That first one specifically. Uh, number five is um, <clears throat> one a movie that we mentioned earlier, uh, nominated uh, as an animated film for best picture. Uh, this is Up, which is a movie that I think on this show we've said before, like, I defy you to not cry during the first 10 minutes of Up because that montage of their love story and then the tragic end to their love story um, just is Pixar pulling all of the heartstrings in the opening of a children's movie and so effectively that it got nominated for Best Picture. And honestly, for me, kind of a real contender. Um, I think this movie was overly emotional for a kids movie. I don't like showing my kids this movie because <laughs> of this. It's <laughs> wait, wait till they're ten. <laughs> no, I mean, no, honestly, like this movie, like in the first, the first, the montage in the very beginning of the movie is so depressing because he's got this, he's got his wife, and then he loses his wife in the first like ten minutes. Yeah, three minutes of the movie. It's just this is a a adult movie. That was put into a kids film. I mean, it does 
it does strike a good balance once you get past that montage. Not really. I mean, it's not a kids movie. Like if you, I'm saying, I'm. It is a kids movie because I mean, it's cartoon. It's got, but I'm saying that this could easily have been made as an actual movie. Yeah, notebook style. Like, yeah, like yeah. this could have been made an actual movie without the without being a uh, cartoon at sure. all, and sold to an adult to an adult audience without any issue. It would have been a uh, a uh, like a road trip old man road trip film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. An, an old man going to find his, this could have been an old man going to find his, uh, where he was going to die, which is exactly what the film is. Sure. It's a guy going to find where he's going to die and it just happens this kid comes along and gives him a, a way, a reason to live. Sure. This That's is, the point of the movie. It's Who a little thought bit, this would be good for kids? <laughs> I mean, it made a lot of money. A lot of people went and saw it. It's a good movie. Yeah, because adults and kids alike were like, oh, go see this movie about an old man who's going to go find his his place he's going to die in. <laughs> right. It's it's just, I don't know. It's a little bit Nebraska, um, that movie with uh, Will Forte and Bruce Dern, uh, Nebraska. Yeah. There's, there's a there's also a one recently with um, Jason Sudeikis and Ed Harris called Kodachrome. That's it's sort of the same kind of thing. It's it's an old man road trip movie where you know they learn a little bit about each other <laughs> along the way. You know. Yeah, or they learn to tolerate each other, and the older man finds a le- a reason to live because of uh, his love in someone else other than his life partner, which is right. what this movie was. Sure. And I think that the fact that they sold it as a kid's movie is fucking insane, but, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I kind of see where you're coming from. <laughs> when I saw this movie, I was like, this is a kid's movie. What the hell? Yeah. Up, up is real. Uh, the waters run deep on the, on that. Um, anyway, move, moving on to number four, Ugh, this movie, mm-mm. I, I, I don't like any of the Twilight movies. This was the second Twilight movie. You know what? They were fine until after this movie. New Moon is fine. Ugh. They're all terrible. Yeah, they all are with her twitchiness and her... Is, uh... Uh, Kristen Stewart, I thought, was a great actress until these movies. What's funny about... like I think... She's all twitchy and like... like this no. year, I think, also has... Um, Wonderland comes out or Adventure Adventureland. Adventureland comes out. She's good in Adventureland, and she's really good in Adventureland. And then she does really this good. movie. No, no, I mean like that movie. That's a really good movie, and like you know, she's she's really good in it. And but she's still awkward because who is it? Jesse Eisenberg that's in that movie. Yeah, or is it the other? It's not Michael Sarah. Okay, Michael Sarah and Jesse Eisenberg are interchangeable. <laughs> they are. Yeah, but um, yeah. So she's she's just there's the two awkward capable. two awkward people being awkward together. But it, it's not so. It's not her that's the problem with Twilight necessarily. It's that Twilight is bad. Yeah, but her her character in Twilight is bad. Yeah, Bella, Bella, Bella. <laughs> I don't know what her character's name is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, the way she acts, her acting in that movie is absolutely god awful. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's... these movies are eventually going to be forgettable. I think people in the you know twenty years on the line are going to look back on these movies and not even think. I think they're going to look at Hunger Games and remember them. For, for a yeah. long time. These movies are going to be so forgettable. The Twilight movies, yeah. Like the Insurgent series, too. Like they, uh, th- But they petered out within its own Well, yeah, sort of because lifespan. they're not even making the final movie, I don't no. think. Yeah. But, well, they did, yeah, the last one was like a two-parter. And, and they, they were not doing the second part They or didn't something. do the second part because the, the first part was just a flop. <laughs> yeah. So if you're really into the Insurgent series, it kind of sucks because yeah. you can't see you're the Yeah, you're never going to see it uh, I mean, completed. the... 
Okay, the ones that's really dorky, because I'm not into any of those movies, but the ones I do like are the uh, Maze Runner series, mm-hmm. which I actually like. Maybe it's because I'm a guy, but I like those movies. I think they're fun. Yeah, no, they are really fun. Like Re- I, Resident Evil, the Maze Runner, those kinds of movies. Um, Maze Runner is a little more more young adult sure, than but it, Resident Evil. But the the like zombie apocalypse ad- adventure thriller, like... You know those those movies are really enjoyable. Uh, the those franchises yeah. that come out, um, yeah, they're a fun time in the movies, and you yeah. get a little bit of a scare. You get a little bit of an adventure. You know, uh, completely enjoyable. Twilight, not so much. Now Twilight's a it's because it's a romance. It's a romance, and it gave birth to the worst movie made in the oh, last fifteen years. Fifty Shades. Fifty yeah. Shades, man. If that hadn't been made, then that stupid fan fiction of Fifty Shades would never been made. So Ugh. you know what? Fuck you, Twilight. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we're getting into well, we, we sort of already got into um, with with that one the sort of like these are the movies that everybody went to go see the big franchise movies Twilight uh, number three is Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince which is one of the good ones okay um, you know it uh, and this is the this is this is top three. three of two thousand nine right two thousand nine two thousand nine top three okay we've got uh, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince Prince yes. Okay. Number two, we get Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. The first one was good. The rest of them are shit. Yeah, this uh, this one was good enough to top Harry Potter by a hundred million dollars. Though really, a top. Wait, which Harry Potter are we in? Harry right Potter, Half Blood Prince. This is the fifth installment. Okay, well that's why because they're still or in, sixth. Are you still in the? Order, you, yeah, this is fifth, and then Order of the Phoenix, and then. So um, with Harry Death Potter, are we still just a movie about magic in a school? So we're at, we're we're in a school. We're about magic, and we're about three kids. That's in a school about magic. Yeah, still, yeah, about magic, and, we're, and we have, and we have, is, uh, <clears throat> we have like the different schools, and he's he's got a thing on his head. <laughs> that's and all then, of the movies. Yes. Oh, is that all the movies? Yes, all oh, I'm sorry. Movies. I'm sorry. Okay, so so he's still <laughs> he's still got the thing that you can't be talked about, and there's like Horcruxes. They're no. They're, nah, they're trying to find them. I don't believe we get into Horcruxes. Until oh, so we haven't the, even gotten there yet. The next so one. So there's like a big beast or something. I mean, we've seen Horcruxes up until this point. We don't know that they're Horcruxes. Are they at playing this point. Quidditch at some point in this? I'm, I believe they play Quidditch in this. Uh, Ron is more or less the Quidditch star. Weasley from here on out. Weasley. Yeah, he's he's a okay. Quidditch Weasley. goalie for House Gryffindor. And uh, okay. He, has he, has has, have, they, have they grown to the uh, awkward stage of their lives yet? Oh yeah, there's like four movies here where they're they're in their awkward stage. Okay, cool. Uh, this okay, is them so, coming out of the awkward stage. The okay. really awkward one is uh, a Goblet of Fire. Okay, cool. All right, so so basically we're in the fifth one of just every movie. Uh, but even <clears throat> even as successful as it was, it wasn't big enough to uh, top Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. But even then, by almost three hundred and fifty million dollars. Our number one movie destroyed every other film known to man of all time. And I don't understand it because the movie is not that great. I love this movie. But it's revolutionary in the way that they did motion capture and, you know, 3D and the universes and stuff. I feel blue. Yeah, everybody wanted to be a big cat in Avatar. I like this movie. Nobody knows. You love this movie? I like this movie a lot. Nothing about this movie is memorable except there's blue cats. Let's let's uh, let's move let's move on from from the uh, from Avatar talk. <laughs> it's just gonna get ugly. Um, is there anybody else? Any other female actors that um, you think could have uh, been added to this list? Somebody who might have been better than Penelope Cruz in Nine. Yes, because we're talking about the 2009 supporting, or sorry, the 2008 best nope. supporting actress, 2010, 2010 best supporting actress. Movies so in 2009. Yeah. In uh, 
2009, the movie Inglorious Bastards came out. Oh, such a good movie. It is one of my favorite movies from Quentin Tarantino. From Quentin Tarantino. It's not one of my yeah. favorite movies, but it's one of my favorite movies from Quentin Tarantino. And the two actresses that play the lead, Diane Kruger, I love her mainly because of her part in uh, National Treasure. But we're not talking about National Treasure. <laughs> right. I was in love with her after National Treasure. Uh, wasn't everybody? I was in love with her. Yeah. She was so cute. Um, she was the only reason I went to go see uh, National Treasure 2, Book of Me too, Secrets. and then when the movie was just so fucking bad, I was like, God, Diane Kruger. But at least she's in it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he's in it, too. Yeah, he made but it worse. she's also in it. And that was the first time Ed Harris did something where I was like, God, Ed Harris, what yeah. the fuck is wrong with you? Anyway. It's it's not as tight as uh, the first one, and the first one isn't very tight. So, you know. <laughs> so, Diane Kruger, um, I think, should be nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Inglorious Bastards. She did a fantastic job. Uh, I agree. I would say also from Inglorious Bastards, Melanie Laurent, for uh, playing the sort of French girl that uh, plays off of... Um, Christoph Waltz through most of yes. that film. Yes. There is an intensity to their interactions that is like you hold your breath when they're in the same room together on screen. For not talking most of the movie, she is very good. She's powerful in this movie for not having many lines. Yeah. In the first in the first uh fifteen minutes or whatever, she does no talking, but still you're freaked out. Oh for my her. god. It, and I I think that's what helps um like her. You know, like trying to stay silent underneath those floorboards and, and all that kind of shit really sells the un, unnerving aspect of Christoph Waltz's uh, sort of monologue through that whole thing. Um, and having the juxtaposition of those two above the floorboards and below mm-hmm. um, is this real masterful piece of, of, uh, of a scene that Quentin Tarantino has put together. Um, but it really rests on both of those actors being so good at portraying the emotion that they need to, uh, you know, portray. Um, and the same thing is said later in the movie when they have the cake, the little cake scene where he's trying to get her to eat the little tea cake, you know, and, um, she knows who he is and he doesn't know who, who she is. And, uh, it's a really powerful performance. I think she's, um, the women in, in Glorious Bastards, I think should have been, uh, nominated here. I mean, we got both actresses from Up in the Air, which they did a good job. I think Inglorious Bastards actresses did a better job as a whole. I think they did too. Should we include both of them? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, is there anybody else? You know, are we uh, are we looking at Megan Fox? Yes, for uh, Transformers. <laughs> Actually, I'm thinking Megan Fox for uh, Jennifer's Body. That's more aligned what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, Jennifer's Body. I mean, that movie is. I mean, she's the she's the actress, she's the main star, but she's so terrible in it that maybe she should be the best supporting actress. That movie's getting a bit of a of a uh, like people are coming back to Jennifer's, Jennifer's body uh, a little bit and uh, showing a little more appreciation for are it. Are they actually? Yeah, really. Um, but really? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely is an example of probably Megan Fox's best work. I mean, it's it's aging like a fine wine. <laughs> sure. Um, but more like a wine that's uh, that's uh, uh, going to vinegar rather than a wine that's oh, going to. Uh, but like a good vinegar, a good vinegar, like a cooking vinegar. Yeah, like one that's more like a not apple, a cleaning like an vinegar. apple cider vinegar. Sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you think do you think it's good enough to to even rank amongst this? Maybe we'll put this one on the shelf. Yeah, I'm, let I'm it not apple sure. Cider, let, let it apple cider for a little while. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. What about uh, so? There's a. Um, the geek in me wants to uh, wants to push into more of a like superhero sci-fi. Wants to like realm. push into one. I want to push. You want to push into push into that realm a little bit, and um, we should look through like uh, one of the states. 
one of the Dakotas. Yeah. To push in. <laughs> Going through the, the Dakotas. Dakotas. Um, yeah, Dakota Fanning in Dakota the movie. Fanning. In the movie Push. Maybe it's not is, getting this pun. Yeah, Dakota Fanning in Push. Now, this is a movie that um, I was surprised at how much I liked this movie because it's sort of, um, it's like a comic book movie and you didn't really know much about it. It's got Chris Evans before he became Captain America and like... This is this is post... post uh, Fantastic uh, Four, Chris Evans. Oh yeah, I was going to say yeah. it's... Yeah. Um, I was going to say it's post... Um, not another teen movie, Chris Evans, yeah, but that pre- too. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, it's as, you know, it's it's a bit. Uh, we're we're testing the waters in two thousand nine with uh, comic book movies and like how cool they can be or whatever. And I think this is one of those movies early on in that in that time where we get a pretty solid movie about mutants that isn't an X Men movie. Yeah, this is very similar. Upon relooking at this movie, it's very similar to the new TV show, The Gifted. Sure, with all the characters and everything. Uh, this is also the sort of first role I remember Dakota Fanning sort of breaking out of her like, oh, she's a child star. You know, she's I mean, a, she's still a child. She's this. she's sort of like a teenager in this movie, but like she's a young adult in this movie. She's a little more mature in her approach to this role, um, in the approach of her, of her character in general. Um, this is a, a little, you know, darker than she's gone before in any other role. Um, I think this is sort of the moment where we start to see Dakota Fanning becoming a like great adult actress. Yeah, she's definitely fanning the flames of of, adu- of adulthood. <laughs> we got all movie. of them, all of the puns. We nailed it. We nailed Woo! all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I was all right. I was waiting. For I was it. having I was a hard time it. trying to figure out how to do fanning. You yeah. got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's worthy of discussing just for that. I don't. Okay. I'm not sure that she she's gonna top you know maggie gyllenhaal even but um she's pretty good in this she's she's pretty For solid this being a comic book movie yeah she did did a good job she's really solid um as an actress the only the only time no i mean she's she's in the twilight movies but yeah um, and she's okay in the twilight movies so it's not her fault <laughs> it's the twilight movies fault but anyway all right so that will be our alternate list to recap our full list now we have um, for supporting actress of 2010, Monique from Precious, Penelope Pru- Cruz from Nine, Vera Farmagia in Up in the Air, Maggie Gyllenhaal from Crazy Heart, Anna Kendrick from Up in the Air, and then for our list of actresses that we are going to add, we have Diane Kruger from Inglorious Bastards, Melanie Laurent from Inglorious Bastards, and Dakota Fanning from Push. Cool. Supporting actress 2010. We'll get into that uh, on part two of this week's episode. Um, but first, before we go, um, I want to do a quick plug. We don't usually plug, but uh, I was on—I was a guest on another podcast. So I shouldn't start the music. I'm, I mean, if you want to play me off like I'm in the Oscars, sure. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop the music. Oh, I'm going to stop the music. Here we go. Um, uh, yeah, I was on a podcast um, with my mother, actually, that's coming out, I think, the same week that this episode drops, called uh, Fading Memories with Jennifer Fink. Uh, search for it on, on uh, iTunes. We'll also share a link in our, on our Twitter, and um, probably our Instagram, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but I, I recently lost my grandmother to um, dementia, and her podcast is all about like uh, you know dealing with you know, people who, who are dealing with loved ones who have, uh, you know, sort of um, afflictions that deal with memory, dementia and Alzheimer's and all that kind of stuff. And we basically shared my grandmother's story. My mom and I, um, you know, spent a Saturday afternoon and talked with uh, with Jennifer on her podcast. And uh, 
uh, it was really cathartic, kind of a therapy session with me and my mom to sort of release the sort of my my grandma into um, y- you know into the air, <laughs> you know, um, to sort of make make peace with her passing. And uh, it's a really interesting episode. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, go ahead and check out Fading Memories by Jennifer with Jennifer Fink uh, this week uh, in your iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so right now we're going to play the promo for Fading Memories. Once it is over, we will hope to see you next time on Switch the Envelope. My name is Jennifer Fink, and I have a mom with early onset Alzheimer's disease. Since you're listening, we're probably in the same boat. I created this podcast for caregivers and people dealing with every stage of dementia. You see, I'm not just the daughter of a woman living with Alzheimer's, I'm the granddaughter and great-granddaughter of women who also suffered from memory loss. Not a great family history and one that I don't like having, especially when I forget where I was going in a conversation or I can't find my keys or... Wait, what was I talking about? I created Fading Memories because I couldn't find the information that I needed to help me care for my mom. A lot of the information I found was basic or very technical or required a lot of time to research. Some of the information was honestly a little wacky and unproven. So I talked to experts and people like us, because acquiring and sharing this knowledge is important. There are so many of us caring for a loved one with memory loss, and our numbers are unfortunately increasing rapidly. Until there is a prevention or a cure, maybe this podcast can be your next best resource. So subscribe to Fading Memories wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll go on this journey together.